Hey, this is Joseph Massonary. I'm the pastor at Cornerstone, and this is our podcast. I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope this inspires you. I hope this helps you build your faith. I hope in some way that God will challenge you with a new perspective as you listen. Enjoy the message. How are we doing this morning? This this any anybody uh, school students teachers? Maybe there's some uh, some folks here that work in a school office. Would you raise your hand if this week or last week, if you're heading back, like like the season of school begins? Throw those hands. Okay, man, we're praying for you. We're keeping you. Coaches, yes. Anybody that's involved with, my goodness, who's ready to get? Who's ready to get it? Ready to get going? I don't know. Your kids ready? Are we like kind of kind of getting there? This morning we are in week two of a series uh, called Heaven. If you were with us last Sunday, uh, we spoke briefly about how, you know, for those of you in education or when you receive your training to become a teacher, whatever it is, in most seminaries, in most, most Bible college uh, atmosphere settings, it's very interesting. There is never a class. There is never a semester. There is usually pretty much nothing uh, that offers a, a study for college kids or seminary students on the topic of heaven. Isn't that shocking? Uh, we actually, even at Cornerstone, and, and maybe some of you have been here like all 34 years. I think we're on year 34. Is that right? Is it year 34 or 33? It's somewhere in there. 1987, I believe, is when we started Cornerstone Church. And uh, believe it or not, in that whole history, that time period, we have never done a series on heaven. Yes, it's, it's, it shows up in a lot of our worship songs. It shows up in a lot of our scripture when we, when we read uh, writings from the Apostle Paul, but we've never actually dedicated an entire series on heaven. Well, as we begin this morning, we're going to get right into it. Do you have a Bible today? If you have it, would you open it up? And would you open it up to the book of John chapter 14? That's where we're going to begin. If you have a smartphone I want to invite you to break out that smartphone, go on our church app or to a Bible app. Uh, just fair warning, we're going to be surfing all over Scripture today. We've got 20 points and 40 Scriptures for you this morning. I'm kidding, I'm kidding. But I figured 20 points, we actually do have 9 points. It's a world record for me. If you're in church, usually I'm a, I'm a 2 point sermon guy or a 1 point or 3 point tops. I, but I figured if I scared you and told you I have 20 points to cover, nine that would sound pretty good. So we're going to get into the word. We're going to get into the, the, the message this morning. And also, I, I challenged our church, even if you, you can't make it in person, to really try to dial up and, and join in with us uh, online if you can't make it in person. Because this is, once again, I, I think it's so important that we learn and we understand uh, more and more, as much as we can, what the Bible tells us about heaven. Because, would you read it with me on, on the wall? It says, because our view of eternity does what? It affects how we live today. Would you look at someone and just tell man, how we view eternity in light of eternity, in light of heaven, it affects our actions right here and right now. Would you agree with that statement this morning? So as we jump into it, I have a very awkward question. You know, we, we were, we're coming in and we're like, man, school starts tomorrow and we're ready for a new season and different things are happening. But I have a challenging question. It kind of might feel like a typical Sunday morning. But I want to ask you a, a strange question that perhaps maybe you've never thought about it. I want to begin with a, a, a typical Sunday with an atypical question. Is that okay? Here it is, and, and this might catch you a bit off guard this morning, and uh, that's, that's my goal, actually. If you were given the choice of going to heaven today, or waiting 10 years, how many of you would choose the waiting the 10 years option? Ooh, interesting, right? And I know that's not like, that's like some of us are like, well, that's, a, that's an unfair question. All right? like, I, I was thinking about this this week. If you were given the choice, you could go to heaven today or, or you could wait 10 years. Which one would you choose? 
For many of us here, I think there's, there's some of us, honestly, that we would say, we'd be like, no, you know what, today, I'm good, my hope, my, my future, I'm excited about that. But I think if we're, if we're totally, totally honest, I know for me, my mind, it, it flips, and, and it's kind of a question I, I haven't really considered, or I, maybe I don't consider it enough. I, my mind defaults, I, I think of my three girls, right? I think of, man, I go, I go there's a lot I want to be a part of the next 10 years. There's a lot of things, a lot of chapters in their life I want to I wanna, I wanna witness and I want to be a part of and I want to celebrate. Maybe it's a question you've never considered before, but I want to ask you, what do you think about that? How about you? What would your answer be? Would you choose to go to heaven today or would you want to say, you know what, I'll, I'll, I'll wait 10 years. I'll see what happens on this earth, right? I'm pretty confident that if we were... If we were uh, being as honest, if we were in church today and we were going to be as transparent as possible about this question, I'm pretty confident that the overwhelming response from our congregation today, most of us would say, you know what, I am good. I would rather wait out the 10 years, right? We, I didn't ask for a show of hands, but I think a lot of us would say, I'm, gonna, I, I'm good, I, I'll wait out the 10 years, even though this world is, you know what, Joey, I know this world is flawed. I mean, we see it in the news. How many of us saw it in Las Vegas yesterday? Could, you couldn't even see Las Vegas. What happened? That was, was there a fire? Like, oh my goodness. It was like, you, it was like, it looked like Armageddon over Las Vegas. We were receiving God's wrath and judgment in our air, right? Pollution everywhere. Was that a fire? Somebody just nod and smile, right? It was, right? Okay. It looked like Armageddon. The world was going to end yesterday. But you know, there's a lot of us here this morning that we know our world is broken because of sin. We understand it. We see it. We see the ravaging effects of sin in many different areas of our lives, even in our country, even. But we would say, you know what? I, I, know, I know things are, are broken. I know sin is a problem, but... Uh, you know, I, I kind of tend to understand and at least hope and I can expect for things that lie ahead. I, I have this expectation because my life here, it's a little bit more familiar, right? There's things that we know about life on earth. There's things that we can expect to happen and dream for and strive for and hope for. There's so much that is known, but when it comes to heaven, uh, it often feels like it's this it can feel like it's this mystery. When it comes to heaven, there's so much that it feels like it's a little bit unknown. It can feel like the unknown sometimes can even be a little bit scary or a little bit unsettling. And it's interesting that, that, that people in Scripture, when we look at the words of the Apostle Paul and we look at the words of, of Peter, it's interesting to me that it, it seems like we can pick up on this tone all throughout Scripture that heaven was something that they longed for. Do you pick that up and when we read the New Testament that heaven is, is something that is constantly on their, their mind. It's constantly the topic of conversation. And I don't know about you this morning, but I don't want to be one of those Jesus followers that just because I'm getting a little bit older, uh, just because there's a crisis in in, a, in a, a health situation in my family. I, I don't want to, uh, just because somebody might be getting sick or I'm scared of something, uh, I don't want to begin to just start thinking about or considering or giving heaven some thought just because of my circumstances. I don't want to get older and finally realize, you know what, I'm not going to be around a whole lot longer, so I better start thinking about and learning about what the Bible has to say about this place called heaven, what the Bible has to say about eternity. Scripture this morning, I believe, as we get into God's Word, I hope if, if you have your smartphones, if you have your Bibles, break them out. I believe our Scripture is going to uh, convict us and, and, and yet also convince us, uh, convince us that heaven is, it is, it is no appetizer. In fact, heaven is the real deal. It's the main event. It is the encore it is the main course, the, the entree, whatever we want to call it. But our prayer is that Scripture would come alive for you today to realize that, that sometimes on earth God is just giving us a, can we call it like this? He's just giving us a sample of what's to come. And so often, I believe as Christ followers, we, 
we, we compromise and we make mistakes because we don't always have the correct view of eternity in our minds and in our hearts. And so we, we compromise in our decisions in the now. We compromise those things that we, we want now or feel good now because we don't always have eternity at the forefront like men like Paul. Well, the Bible is full of promises, and I hope, I hope you're ready to get into a lot of promises. We're continuing to kind of set the table this morning, and the Bible is full of promises about this place called heaven. We're going to look at, and honestly, you could find more of them. We're going to look at nine things, nine very, very general things, general observations that come straight from Scripture about this place called heaven. So if you're ready to, to journey with me, are we ready to, you ready for nine points today? That's a world record for me. I, have, I don't think I've ever done nine points on a Sunday morning. And in weeks to come, we're going to begin to, uh, we're going to begin to unpack some of these things in greater detail. We're going to be able to, to get into some of these, these truths through Scripture uh, in more and more detail. But for today, we're going to just talk about some general truth about heaven that maybe some of us haven't even considered before. You know, we read Scripture, but then we, 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 we don't really like let it sink into our, our, our hearts. And we don't let it change the way that we think. And when we don't let it change the way we think, then we don't behave any differently. Amen? All right, so number one. Uh, man, we're going to get right into it. Here we go. Heaven. Heaven is real. And it's a tangible place. Would you write that down in your notes this morning? Number one, heaven is real and it's a tangible place. When you look at the English language, and I'm sure um, if, you, if you speak any other language, yo quiero Taco Bell, right? Whatever it is. That was a commercial back in the day. Um, of course, I would know Spanish if it involves fast food, right? Um, but in any language, we, un we would understand that any vocabulary in the English language, that, that words can have multiple meanings, correct? Just the word, when we, when we say, you know, the word right, we can talk about right and wrong. The word right can also mean, you know, hey, when you leave church today, you're going to go out of the parking lot and take a right-hand turn, right? And so when it comes to this word, heaven, we're gonna, we're gonna, we want to talk about what it actually means, what it's referring to in Scripture, because in Scripture it's used generally in, in three different ways. In three different ways it's referenced. In the writings of King David, he talks about uh, the heavens declaring the glory of God. King David writes about the, the skies proclaiming the work of his hands. And so generally in scripture, when we read the word heaven, it refers to three different things. The first one would be often in, in the book of uh, uh, Psalms, it's referencing the sky. God, you can be found in creation. God, your, your penmanship is written in the stars in the universe, right? The second one is, is stars. And then thirdly, and this is the one we're going to focus on most. It, it, it talks about heaven being the dwelling place where God abides, the abode of God. The third one, when we talk about heaven, so when we use terms, this is the one, if you, if you want to just take a picture of that with your phone or circle it, when we talk about heaven in this series, we are referencing God's dwelling place, the place where God dwells. Now we know that God's presence, He's omnipresent. God can be found anywhere. Right, we, we know that if, if you believe scripture, if you're into the word, like we, we believe that God can be found anywhere, everywhere, and everything. He is not limited to a single location. He is omnipresent. But when we talk about heaven, we're talking about this abode of God, this dwelling place of God where he resides, this place physically where there is no sin. And because there is no sin, he can be experienced, he can be met, he can be seen in all his glory in all his majesty. That is the heaven we are referencing when we speak about heaven for, for weeks to come. It's not a theoretical uh, state of mind. It's not this Zen type, Wusa type thing, right? Just like the Olympics are being held at a specific place, right? Where the Olympics are in Tokyo, Japan this year. Just like that is a real location, a real place, when we reference heaven in scripture, the Bible talks about heaven being a real and tangible, an actual place. 
Would you read the first scripture with me this morning as we get ready to just burn through it today? Are you ready to read some scripture? Come on, 11 a.m. We ready? All right. I know we got the we got the high school blues this week. I've got the high school blues this week. I'm like, can we just keep having summer? I want my kids to stay home forever. Right? Anybody else feel that way? Sometimes I'm going to trap them at home. John chapter 14, verse 1. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Jesus said, you believe in God, believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I am going there? Going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. Jesus speaks to his disciples. This is the scripture, if you notice, we left off with this scripture last week. He's speaking to the disciples and he says, I'm going to prepare a place for you. He uses this word, a place, a location. And in this context, uh, he, he uses it multiple times. He talks about this actual place that exists for people who place their belief in God. He repeats it, he repeats it, and in some translations, there's, there's this, this word, there's, there's this word mansions. I go to prepare a mansion for you. In most translations, this passage, he says, the word meaning, I go to prepare a place for you. He's talking about a place where like rooms can be added on. He's going to prepare a place like this compound uh, where we can add on as many rooms as we want to the patriarch's house. Like that of an extended like family. We can just keep adding on rooms. And Jesus says he's coming back to take us to that place. As we get into this series and we keep kind of setting up the table for what's to come. Another truth about heaven number two is this. This is something directly from God's word that God the Father is there. In that location, God the Father is there and Jesus the Bible tells us Jesus is at his right hand. The Bible says that Jesus is making an appeal for us. He is appealing for us to the Father. Jesus modeled this reality when he prayed. He taught the disciples. He said, you want to know where, where God is? Here he says, he says, this is how you should pray. Matthew chapter 6, verse 9, he says, our Father, that what? That art in, where? Heaven. Hallowed be your name. Scripture goes on and it tells us that after Jesus was crucified, that he, that he died and, and after three days that he, he resurrected. And then the, 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 the scripture goes on, if you, if you read the accounts of the gospels, that uh, he, uh, some time had passed and he ascended back to heaven and he is at the right hand interceding for us. Romans chapter 8 verse 34, read it with me, it says, Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died, more than that, Christ Jesus who was raised to life. He is at the right hand of God, and he's also interceding. He is interceding for us. He is still making a way for us. When Stephen was stoned, I don't know if you remember that, that series we did called We Are Church. We spent some time in the book of Acts at the beginning of this year. And if you remember, is it Acts chapter 7, I think, where Stephen becomes the first martyr. And the Bible records this about this young man named Stephen. It says he was stoned. He was put to death. And the Bible says that as he was being stoned, that Stephen saw heaven open up. It says he saw Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Think of this, Jesus is the one person, like when we, when we go back in this, this passage, if you look John chapter 1, verse, verse uh, John chapter 14, verse 1, when he talks about my father's house, you know what's pretty amazing, it's pretty cool, that when Jesus talks about eternity, it's pretty cool that he has actually some intimate knowledge of it. It's pretty cool that he is the authority on the matter. He has the, the credibility on the topic because he's the one person who experienced heaven prior to coming to earth. Right? It's pretty amazing. So when Jesus speaks about heaven, oh my goodness, 
In those red letters, church, we, we better be listening and observing because he has the credibility and he has the authority to talk about this place called heaven. Another amazing thing about heaven, number three, the Bible tells us that all believers are there. My goodness, that means maybe your parents who passed away and they prayed over you and they led you a certain way as you grew up. Maybe that, that youth pastor or that person that invited you to church for the first time who's, who's no longer here. Maybe, maybe that means you, maybe a child, maybe a brother, maybe a sister, a loved one. The Bible says that all believers are there in this place. Hebrews 12, verse 23, it says, the church of the firstborn, to the church of the firstborn. He's referencing the church that belongs to Jesus, the firstborn of God, made up of believers who put their faith in him. Which we read the rest of the scripture, whose names are written in heaven. You have come to God, the judge of all, to the spirits of the righteous made perfect. Number four. And it's interesting how often you can look at the course of history and you can realize and you begin to see that all throughout the course of mankind, there's been division and people not figuring out how to care for others. There's been abuse. There's been violence. There's been wrongdoing. But you know what? Number four tells us we better figure out our stuff because we are going to be surrounded with everyone in heaven. In Revelation, it says, it says this, heaven is going to be multi-ethnic. Heaven is going to be loaded with every culture. It's going to be loaded up with every nation, every different language, every different people group. Scripture paints this, this beautiful picture. Would you read Revelation chapter 5? It talks about this. It says, they sang a new song. And look who he's referencing when he says they. This was the song. It says, you are worthy to take the scroll and open its seals because you were slain. Jesus, with your blood, you, you were purchased for God persons from every tribe. Look at this. This is who's going to be in heaven. It says every tribe. It says every language. It says every people and every nation. You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God. Jesus, when we talk about being inclusive, my goodness, Jesus came he died, he resurrected, and it wasn't for one select group of people that spoke one specific language. But we have a Savior, that sacrifice. He, it says every nation can respond to the gospel. Every nation will have a place in heaven because of Jesus. Pretty, pretty amazing stuff. Number five. Number five, the Bible promises that our names are recorded there. Would you write that down? Number five, our names are recorded there. There's a wonderful uh, passage in the book of Luke chapter 10. Um, has anybody here ever been on a missions trip? Or, or, like a, or even like vacation Bible school. That's a missions trip for some people, right? I'm teasing. But, you know, there's something about it. When you set aside a, a period of time to serve gar, God in a hardcore in a, in a hardcore way, you're like, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go on a mission trip. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go serve him this week. It's always interesting that God tends to show up in miraculous ways when we set aside time for him. Isn't that funny how that works? Isn't that interesting? So there's these, I don't want to say missionaries, but kind of like Jesus sends out the 72. 72 of his followers, they, they go out and they, for lack of a better term, I would say they, they come back from this mission trip pumped. They've been casting out demons. They've been seeing people come to Christ. They've been seeing life change happen. And how many of you know when those things begin to happen, it's exciting, right? Being excited about life change. We had a, a, a lady in first service. She just came back. Uh, her husband is still in Africa till October, but Jan Wyatt, who helps facilitate and one of the leaders of our food pantry, she came back from Africa and she was in church this morning. It was good to see her after, like, I think she was there a month. And uh, her husband's going to be there two more months. We need to be praying for him. But think of these people. They, they, they're coming back from this, this, this trip where they see demons being cast out. They see people being healed. 
They see the miraculous. They see people changing all because they are mentioning and proclaiming the name of Jesus. They are walking in the power of the name of Jesus. And they come back from this mission trip all excited. And look what Jesus does. He gives them a little bit of a warning. I love, I love it when Jesus, like he always tends to do the opposite of what I would, I would think he'd be like, oh, cool, let's party. You guys rock. You're the man. You're the woman. Look what Jesus has to say. Luke chapter 10, verse 19 through 20. He says, I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome the power of the enemy. And he says this, he says, nothing will harm you. But in verse 20, he says, however. <laughs> and sometimes I think, man, this, I, I, I guess we could probably have a whole teaching on this. I don't know, is Jesus trying to say, man, don't, don't get hung up on the miraculous here on earth. Don't get hung up on, on all the, you know, sometimes maybe it's a reminder for us. You know, every seed that you plant, every act of love that you show, every child that you pray for, every person that you appeal to God for, maybe it's a reminder that it's like, you know, you, you may not always see the immediate results. So don't get hung up on all of this casting out demon stuff, although it's amazing and although it's powerful. He says, however, look at verse 20 with me. He says, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you. But here's what you need to rejoice about. He says this, he says, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. That's an interesting, like Jesus just changes the subject. He's like, don't get caught up in all the results, but rejoice that there is a result that cannot be changed no matter what. So keep doing what you're doing and that your name is written in heaven rejoice Jesus because you belong is anybody um, I know we don't have conventions anymore but did anybody used to go to like a conference or a convention back in the day one day we'll have them back right but I, I think of like a, a conference or a convention a convention where you know you, you show up uh, and and usually the, the smaller conventions that I've attended you show up and there's this registration area this registration table and what happens right usually you show up and there's a name badge and some type of lanyard and maybe a map on the back. Like you're, there's something that says your name on it. It's prepared. It's ready to go. Usually there's some type of like welcome bag, something for you, like some materials for you to go through. Usually some advertisements because they want you to buy something, right? Whatever it is. But what's interesting when you go to some type of convention or conference that you signed up for, what happens is they give you that name badge and usually they let you in the door, right? Usually they say, okay, Joey, Joey Massonary, that's you, check, here's your stuff, here's your name badge, come on in. They let you in because, oh my goodness, you, you took the necessary steps to participate in the convention, right? You, you signed up, you, 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 you paid your fee, so to speak, you're qualified to enter. Well. The Bible says that qualification is a little bit different. If you've accepted Jesus because of your faith, your faith is in Jesus. The Bible says your name is written down. So Jesus says, don't be excited about casting out demons and all this other stuff. Be excited that you are in. Because if you're excited that you belong, if you're excited that you're in, I think Jesus knew. If you're excited about that, you're going to share it with others. Another general truth, number six. I love this one. Scripture promises us, it says, we have an inheritance there. Here's the promise, and it's an amazing promise. 1 Peter chapter 1, it says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy, He has given us new birth into a living hope. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, and into, would you underline this, would you circle it in your notes, into an inheritance that can never perish, that can never spoil, that can never fade. This inheritance, the Bible says, I'm going to store it away for you. It says this inheritance is kept in heaven for you. I want you to imagine just for a minute. I'm going to imagine it. This is a good dream. This is a great, a great dream. I want you to imagine that your father or your mother is a billionaire. Y'all look at me like that wouldn't be cool. Right? Come on. You guys are like, ooh. Right? There's not one of us that wouldn't be excited about that. Right? To some degree. Right? 
Imagine that there is this billionaire uncle, billionaire mother or father, and there is this massive inheritance that is going to be left entirely to you. It's pretty fun sometimes to joke around, right, and to mess and to imagine things like that. Because that, honestly, we would all be pretty excited about that reality. But the Bible actually promises, and when we get into God's Word and we know uh, how to view eternity, man, it changes the way we live and we act and we speak right now. Because Scripture says, the Heavenly Father, He has promised an inheritance to you. He's promised an inheritance for us and he stored it up. The Bible says in this verse, look at this. It says he has kept it in heaven. It's safe. He's kept it for you. And the reality is the Bible says it's, it's something far greater than your minds on this broken planet, on this broken situation. It's something far greater than you're actually going to experience here. Number seven, would you write this down? We have citizenship there. And some of us might say, well, you know, what's the difference between my name is written down there or my citizenship is there? When we talk about citizenship, just as there are, you know, we are blessed to be and to live and to be able to, to be free and to thrive in this country, just as we have rights as a United States citizen, the Bible says that we have citizenship in heaven. And for Christ followers, that citizenship actually far exceeds any type of citizenship or country you belong to here on this earth. Look at this. Paul writes to the, the church in Philippi, chapter 3 of Philippians. He says about non-believers, their destiny is destruction. And this doesn't, this is, can we say it like this? This, is, this is, applies to a non-believer that lives in Las Vegas or a non-believer that lives in Texas or a non-believer that lives in wherever, a non-believer that lives in a different country. It does this, this, does it, this, this crosses every line here. It says their destiny is one thing. Read this church, it says their destiny is destruction. It says their, their God is their stomach and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things. Isn't it interesting how, how Scripture written 2,000 years ago, it's why we believe Scripture is, is God-breathed, and it is the absolute truth and the absolute roadmap for our lives, how it, how it applies to us today. Their mind is set on earthly citizenship, or their mind is set on earthly things. But here we go, verse 20. If you have made that decision to acknowledge Jesus Christ, this is you. This is me. It says our citizenship is in heaven. Our citizenship is in heaven. It doesn't mean we renounce that we're Americans. It doesn't mean we renounce our home country, wherever that may, that may be. But it does mean that we recognize no matter where we are physically born, we are here to pass through. Our citizenship, the Bible says, is in heaven. This world is not your home. It is saying you have temporary status here. You have a, a, a temporary task here. Let's read the rest of that verse. It says, we eagerly await the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. I love the way Paul says it. And sometimes just growing up in the church, I'm always surprised by really not non-believers because it's always interesting that we expect people that don't believe in Jesus to behave like us. Anybody, right? Like, we, we really do, actually, right? We, we kind of tend, like, if people, the, the Bible says that people will hate the name of Jesus. If they hate the name of Jesus, they're not going to behave the way. We, but it's always interesting to me, in Scripture, whenever we notice Jesus lose his temper with someone, he always tends to get upset with those that proclaim to know God, doesn't he? He always seems to, to get a little hot with the, the people who, they, they claim to know God, yet their behavior is no different from those people that hate God. In 2 Corinthians, Paul says this, and I think about this, man. He says, we are ambassadors. You know, the job of an American ambassador to, you name Russia, Japan, whatever it is, you name the country, it doesn't matter who, who is in leadership at that time. If you are an ambassador to a certain country, your job is to what? 
Your job is to represent the United States. Your job is to represent that president. Your, your job is to represent that leadership, that authority that you fall under. And Paul says this, we are but ambassadors and our job is to represent who? At all times. Everything we speak, everything we do, it says our job is to what? Represent the king. Not because you're so good, but because you realize you view eternity the correct way. And we realize our citizenship isn't here, but it's where? It's heaven. God expects us. Would you write this down? Who proclaim the name of Jesus? God expects us to act like heaven is our home. If you proclaim the name of Jesus, he expects us to speak like heaven is our home. Number eight. Very specific and eternal rewards are given there. The Bible tells us that eternal rewards are given in heaven. That's a pretty cool thing. We're going to get into this a little bit more. But Jesus told us in the Sermon on the Mount, most famous sermon preached, he said, this is going to impact your life. What we do here is going to matter. How you serve here is going to matter. Who you reach out to here is going to matter. How you love and serve is going to matter. It'll impact our life. It doesn't say here. It's going to impact our life in heaven. Matthew chapter 6. Would you read it with me? Verse 19. He says this. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth. Where moths and vermin destroy. And where thieves break in. And where thieves steal. But store up for yourselves treasure in heaven. Where moths and vermin do not destroy. And where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, if you know this verse, what does he say? There your heart will be also. In one sermon, Jesus forever, 2,000 years later, in one sermon, Jesus forever reminds us that all of the stuff we have will one day break. Right? In one sermon, he reminds us that all that we have eventually whatever it is you own will break whatever whatever piece of technology you love will be outdated whatever fashion you desire will go out of style right in one sermon Jesus forever reminds us that the things that we one time wanted so badly they're not going to matter anymore he says store up for yourselves treasures that will never break, treasures that will never rust. It's kind of like, like those of you that maybe you've spent a lifetime putting money into a, four, you've been putting money into a 401k or a pension or some type of plan. Why do we do that, right? You're storing up investments now so that you will have something later. The very same thing is true, true for us spiritually. When we make spiritual investments with our time, when you as a teacher make spiritual investments this month and in the coming months with your talent, when you as a, a you know, we, we, we talk about starting up a new school year, when you pour into maybe those that, that you were training or mo those that you were teaching how to lead, the Bible says that spiritual investments of your time, of your talent, of your treasure, when you put them to use in God's kingdom, the Bible says that when we, we use them for his purposes, that you're making heavenly deposits. You're making heavenly deposits into that account. Those deposits, the Bible says, that are waiting for you the moment you arrive. We're going to get into this a little bit more in, in weeks to come. But number nine, as we get ready to close this morning, this is the coolest one. And we could have picked out 15 or 20 points. We really could have had 20 points. There's so much scripture about heaven. But number nine is the coolest. Number nine is, to me, the ultimate hope and the ultimate desire and, and passion that we should have for heaven. It says this, sin, sorrow, and death, those will all be absent. When we talk about heaven, there's a truth about heaven that heaven will be so great because those things will not be there. There will be no sin. There will be no sorrow. There will be no death. There will be no suffering. There will be no pain. There will be no disease. 
And sometimes, man, until we are in that position, we don't even begin to understand those promises of the Lord. Revelation chapter 21, would you read this verse with me, beginning at the end of verse 3? He will dwell in them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death. There will be no more mourning. There will be no more crying. How many of you, look at this promise. There will be no more pain. For the old order of things has passed away. You know, one reality that we can all agree upon, it's not a lot that it seems like culturally we can agree upon. It seems like you got to you got to pick a side, right? Anybody that's in the middle, it seems like you're the first to get your head chopped off these days, right? But like, it's not a whole lot we seem to agree on as a culture. But you know, there's something that no one on earth is exempt from. There's no place you can go. There's no amount of cash you can spend. There's no med medical procedure to stop it. But we talked a lot. We've spoken a lot about percentages and death rates and sickness and all these different things over the last year and a half but there's one thing I got to tell you that is a hundred percent certain is that each of us in this room we are all 100% terminal we 100% have something in common we, we cannot escape it we, we cannot um, we, we aren't exempt from it it doesn't matter how bad or how good you have been there's not a place you can go to avoid it. The Bible says it like this in Ecclesiastes. Look what the Bible has to say about death. It says, none of us can hold back our spirit from departing. It says, not one of us have the power to prevent the day of our death. Each of us are faced with this reality. We like to avoid it. We like to not think about it. But we don't know the day. The Bible says we don't know the time. We don't have access to God's eternal spreadsheet of when we're checking in and when we're checking out, right? It's like sometimes, like, man, we just, it'd be nice to, nice to maybe know some more. We don't know how many minutes we have last, but, but the, left. But the Bible has a promise for us. When we look at Scripture. Would you read this with me one more time, starting in verse 4? He will wipe every tear from your eyes. There will be no more death, there will be no more mourning, or crying, or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. When we view eternity in, the, in its correct place, we begin to realize that there is a place where there are no more hospitals, there is a place where there are no more funeral homes, there's a place where there's no more rehabilitation centers from a car wreck or from an injury that you sustained. But there's a place where sin is now removed, where God is present and he can be seen in his glory and in his majesty. In the coming weeks, we're going to see that, that would you write, last thing I want you to write down, a lot of notes today. Are your thumbs on fire or no? It's okay if you're, it's okay, a lot of notes. Final thing is this, in the coming weeks, we're going to see that heaven is going to be the best of earth and even better. Would you write that down? It's, it's going to be the best of earth, but even better. Through scripture, we're going to see that there is so much about heaven that we probably have just missed. Because like I said, we, we, we have seminaries and Bible school and training, and we don't even, we don't teach pastors about heaven. So why on earth would they teach their church about heaven? Right? Through scripture, we're going to see that there's work, there's discovery, there's adventure, there's music, there's rulership, there's art, there's learning, there's new things to learn, there's creativity, there's music, there's new experiences in heaven. Often we think of heaven and it's this awfully boring, long worship service. How many of you love a good long worship service? Some of us are like, I love singing. I could sing all the time in heaven. And other ones that are like, if we're singing in heaven, that's all we're doing. I'm not sure. Right? Some of us are like, I, I, like a long, long, long. But when you start to grasp the promises of God, the promises of heaven, heaven starts, when we start to see what scripture has to say about heaven, heaven starts to become alive. It starts to become a real, genuine location. It starts to become a place that we actually think sounds like fun. 
It starts to become a place that we actually want to know more about, a place that we actually, we actually, actually want to go. When we begin to understand the writings of Paul, look at Paul when he wrote, uh, when he wrote to the church in Philippi. We see the writings of a man who's genuinely conflicted. He, he wants to stay and help the church. He wants to stay and help the people. But he understands and he, he, he knows so much. He, 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 he looks forward to heaven. Our final scripture, Philippians chapter 1. Would you read it with me? Verse 21. He says, for me to live is what? It's to live as Christ. He says, for me to live as Christ, for me to die is gain. If I am to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. You know, that, that's, I, I love that song, if you're still alive and breathing, praise the Lord, right? If you still have breath, you should be servant. That's what Paul would say, man. If you, if you still have a heartbeat, you need to be doing something. If I'm living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet, what shall I choose? I do not know. Verse 23, Paul says, I am torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. But it is more necessary right now for you that I remain in the body. See, Paul's view of heaven was so clear that he actually had a desire to depart. I'm going to work while I'm here, but I, I, my desire is to finish. That was Paul's view of heaven. Would you write this down? What is your view of heaven? And maybe that's not a question you can answer right now. Maybe that's a question you can answer in weeks to come. What is your view of heaven? Would you write that down in your notes? Does heaven provide a sense of excitement? Does it provide a sense of hope? Or does it still feel a bit murky? Does it still feel like this, this, this far off thing? Or, or does it feel like a, a hopeful situation like it did for Paul? For Paul, death was simply this immediate transition of going home. How many of you have ever been on vacation or been able to take a few days off of work and man, you go to a hotel for a few nights or you go on a, a cruise for a couple weeks, right? No matter how long, but how many of you have ever been like somewhere, you've been displaced, you've been on vacation, you've been out of town, and you have that, that feeling where you're like, man, I know I might be at this awesome room at Caesar's Palace, or I might be on this two-week cruise or whatever it is. But how many of you ever had that feeling where you're like, you know what, I'm just ready to be home. I know my, I know my, my bed isn't as comfortable as that one. I know, I know the view isn't as amazing as that view. But I just have this longing to go home. For Paul, there was this, this longing to just be home, to be in the presence of God. Let's bow our heads. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come and Lord, I ask that you would encourage us today. Lord, I ask that you would uh, speak to us today. That we leave here with a sense of um, not only understanding, Lord, but we leave today and we leave in the coming weeks with a, a sense of even a little bit more excitement of what is to come. Maybe even a sense of, man, we walk out of church with just a little bit of, because we've glimpsed just a little bit of your promises, we just, we just walk out even with a little bit of a grin even of what's to come, of what we're going to inherit, of what we're going to experience, of who we're going to experience it with, of the loved ones we're going to be reunited with and do life with. Paul's words, they confirm that life here is not all there is. That there is life after we die. And if we are believers in Jesus, that life is it's dwelling in his promise. It's dwelling in his presence. It's, it's dwelling in that perfect heaven that exists. The life awaiting us in heaven is far beyond anything we can imagine. It's far beyond anything we can dream. Jesus himself, in, in scripture, he said, I am the way. He said, I am the truth. He said, I am the life. And that no one comes to the Father except through me. As we bow our heads and we pray, those were the words of Jesus. They weren't the words of any of us here. He, he said it. He was guilty of those words. They aren't mine. He said, no one comes to God except through me. I'm the way. I'm the truth. I'm the life. But he says, but if you would believe, if you would place your trust in him today, that Jesus will forgive you and he will take up a, a permanent residence in your life today and guarantee you 
that you will have that, that name badge. You'll be ready for that convention in heaven. You'll be ready to receive that citizenship in heaven. You'll receive that inheritance in heaven. The Bible says you don't have to wait. You don't have to go talk to a pastor. You don't have to come back to church next week. But right where you are, if you're home watching or if you're with us today, that you can choose to believe that Jesus is who he claimed to be. Because, man, if Jesus isn't who he claimed to be, he's a pretty nutty guy. That's the reality. If, if you would choose to believe that Jesus died on the cross for your sin, then right now you can ask him to be your savior. If you aren't sure, I just want to encourage you, now is the time. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, if you want to acknowledge Jesus today, would you just lift your eyes? Would you just lift your hand in this place? And would you say, you know, I just, I just want to acknowledge Jesus. I want to acknowledge Jesus. I want to be certain about my eternity. I want, to, I want to have the proper view of eternity. I see you over there. Could we bow our heads? And I see you. The lights are low, so I can't see everybody. But I, I've seen a couple. I can see a few hands going up. Let's pray this this morning. And the Lord knows. Would you, you just say this to him? Would you just pray? And everybody here this morning, let's all pray as we close. Heavenly Father, would you fill me with your spirit? That I would love you. And I would not love this world. That I would give you my life. Thank you, Jesus. Would you make me new? So that I can serve you. In the name of Jesus, all of God's people in the house today say, can we say amen? Amen. Can we just stand to our feet as we close? Can we celebrate and just say, you know what, Lord, we, we thank you for new life. Lord, we thank you for life change, and God, we thank you for the hope that we have that is heaven. Amen? Well, God bless you. Would you give someone an, a flying elbow, a high five, whatever you're comfortable doing. Give someone a smile. How about that on the way out? And we will see you next Sunday as we continue this series called Heaven. Thank you for joining us today, and a special thanks to those who give to Cornerstone. You know, it's because of you, our ministry, it's possible. Uh, you can click the link in the description to give now or visit us at cornerstonelv.com. And if you enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe, you can share it with friends, share it with family, help us spread God's word. You can also join us live every Sunday. We invite you, 9 a.m. or 11 a.m. We stream service live. Thank you again for listening.